Central prescription and order verification is a concept that's been gaining steam and increasingly been employed in recent years as a method of improving a pharmacy's workflow efficiency, which naturally leads to a host of other questions, such as does it impact patients and prescribers, and how does it improve pharmacy efficiency, and perhaps most importantly, what is central order processing and prescription processing in the first place? Welcome to Focus on Pharmacy. I'm your host, Dr. Charles Turk, PharmD. Our guest is Dan Luce, RPH, Corporate Manager of Pharmacy Affairs for the Walgreens Company. Dan spent 11 years as a pharmacy supervisor with Vons Companies and Walgreens, and he's also served on the American Pharmacists Association's Board of Trustees. Presently, his activities are directed at advancing the practice of pharmacy through new technologies that allow pharmacists to focus on direct patient care. By virtue of his job, Dan has been a leading advocate for the adoption of central processing as an integral part of pharmacy practice over the last several years. Dan, welcome to the program. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. We're discussing the concept of central processing and pharmacy practice and how it might improve the pharmacy workload burden while at the same time improving patient care. And I was wondering if you could just give us a sense of what exactly central processing is. Sure, Charles. Central processing is really just the ability to split up the work between locations. And I'm going to give you a couple examples. If a patient walks into a store today, we create an image of the prescription. That image is then data entered by a pharmacy technician. A pharmacist does the data review, drug utilization review of that data. From there, a label prints, it's filled, the product is verified that it's correct, and then it's dispensed to the patient. Fairly simple process. With the concept of central prescription processing, the scenario I just described to you all occurred in one store, but in central processing, it could occur in multiple locations. For example, the technician that does the initial data entry may not be in the store where the patient dropped off the prescription. We could have a bank of folks doing data entry from a small office. The data review DUR wouldn't necessarily be done by the pharmacist standing in that store, but potentially any pharmacist in any location that has the time and ability to do that. Again, we can, with virtual queues, we can put that information out there, and the pharmacist who's not busy at the moment can do that. And lastly, the central processing really frees up the pharmacist who is still standing in that store. The patient dropped it off. As these other steps are done at another location, allows them to really spend time with patients. That is the beauty of central processing. It frees up pharmacists to spend time with patients because they know they've got help in the steps that lead up to the completed prescription. So you're able to take a number of objective measures, such as, say, the time it takes to fill a prescription in one particular store, and you use that to gauge how busy a particular store is and then shift the work to, say, a different location? Yeah, and again, the way it works most of the time is that most folks do their own work. But let's take an example where, you know, it's a beautiful day, and it's you know right before a, a Chicago Bears game, and it's Sunday morning, and everybody wants to get their prescription. Well, at that particular moment, my store is swamped. Whereas a store down the street or another location might have plenty of time and they're not really doing anything. So allowing those folks to help out at a peak time, or another example is hurricane preparation. We've just had a lot of folks preparing for the hurricanes that hit the southern part of the United States. Well, those folks all come in. They're trying to get out of town. Those stores are immediately overwhelmed. Yet other locations in the same state 100 miles away aren't busy. If you're able to take that work, sort of collectively balance it between those locations, you can really take a lot of stress out of a pharmacy. And this sort of gets at your role at the Walgreen Company. I was wondering if you could take a moment to describe what exactly that is. Sure. As the manager of pharmacy affairs, my responsibility is to work with state boards of pharmacy and some state legislators to really talk about how do we advance the rules and the statutes 
that would allow this type of technology, like this type of future thinking to occur. Like any rule, like any regulation, oftentimes it's sort of looking in the rearview mirror when you write the regulations. Well, as we are able to develop all these new technologies, we go out and work with the boards of pharmacy to say, hey, let's take a look at what could happen in pharmacy. What are the things that cause a lot of distractions in a pharmacy or stress in a pharmacy today? If we were able to provide technology that would help eliminate some of that distraction and stress, here's what we would need. These are the kind of rules to implement the kind of technology that we think we can develop. Now, we work with those boards of pharmacy to do that. Who exactly is it who writes the laws governing pharmacy practice? Is it done at the federal level or the state level? Or Well, it's both. And to the extent that in each state, let's take the state example first. In each state, you've got the legislature who's going to pass a statute. That statute is sort of a rough guideline that then goes to the Board of Pharmacy to write a rule. That rule then gives the professions guidance about what the statute really means. And that's how the process works. So we work on the state level with both the state legislature to help develop the statutes and the Board of Pharmacy to develop the rules. And I'm not sure most people probably understand this, but the Board of Pharmacy is not there to really, you know, dictate what a pharmacist should do. The boards of pharmacy across this country are there to protect the patients, to protect the citizens of their state. So their rules have to be written that give pharmacists a guideline what to do, but are always based on the best protection for the citizens of their state. On the federal level, of course, there's a lot of things that are enacted, and we certainly work with the federal folks. We have a whole other team that specifically works on federal legislation. And again, the beauty of federal legislation, it's one set of rules to work with. We really like that concept. However, it's tough to get it pushed through, and it's even tougher if you don't like it to get it changed. So that's sort of the double-edged sword of the state versus federal model. The states, of course, you can pick them off one by one and sort of work with the boards, and as long as they're a progressive mix of pharmacists, you can usually get the rules changed. But again, it's done both ways, and we have folks that work with both our state folks and federal folks to try and create the rules that really give the pharmacist the professional, the best opportunity to have a positive impact on those patients. So practically speaking, at which level do you spend most of your time and effort? I spend most of my time with the boards of pharmacy. Uh, Just a little background, I served two terms on the Wisconsin Board of Pharmacy. I served eight years there. So I've been in the shoes of the folks I'm talking to. I've been on the other side of the table from the board of pharmacy folks. I know what it's like to have to think about not only a rule that's going to affect me as a community pharmacist, but how it affects hospital and long-term care and all the different practices in pharmacy, and that's the complexity of writing rules, is you have to make sure that it fits within the guidelines of all the different practice settings that are out there. If I've got a clinical pharmacist up in an ER at a hospital, the rules have to apply to him as well as a small community pharmacist in a rural setting. So we try and look at all those rules accordingly. And, and again, I think that eight years of experience on the Board of Pharmacy in the state of Wisconsin has allowed me to have some credibility with the boards across the country. They've seen me at meetings. We've had a chance to interact. And we try very diligently to collect the best ideas around the country and then help boards as they write rules. Say, you know, you're working on this new rule for a pedigree of prescriptions, which is sort of making sure that no counterfeit drugs enter the drug supply. Well, if we can somehow help them with those rules and provide good language that they can use instead of having to recreate from scratch, that's also part of our process is to continue to work with the boards and really try to make sure that we're looking always know, two to three to five years forward instead of in the rearview mirror. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Focus on Pharmacy on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Charles Turk. Our guest is Dan Luce, Corporate Manager of Pharmacy Affairs for the Walgreen Company, and we're discussing the implementation of and widespread efforts at widespread adoption of 
central processing and pharmacy practice across the country. Without necessarily naming names, I'm interested in <laughs> getting some stories out of you. What, what are some of the challenges that you've run into uh, with some of the state boards of pharmacy? Well, and again, you know, you have, like any bell-shaped curve, you have those folks who are very progressive. The Florida Board of Pharmacy, Texas, Arizona, California, they really are looking ahead, and they're trying to make sure that they write rules that will allow some of the new technologies to develop. So when you deal with those boards, it's a pretty positive experience. However, some of the challenges we've had is breaking from the old model where all of the activities occur in one store and the old model where, well, we just hold the last person at the end of the process responsible for everything upstream. And that has been a big challenge to break that sort of mindset from the old, old, you know, typewriter days where the last guy was responsible for everything upstream. Now with the technology, you can have different pieces of this process done by different folks in different locations and track it very clearly and hold each person accountable. And that's been a challenge in some states that haven't really adopted that mindset. What I was trying to explain to each of those folks that have that mindset in each of the states is if you don't allow some of the new technologies, if you don't move your thought process forward, inadvertently you penalize the pharmacists in your state because the states that do allow some of these things someone will find a way to get the prescriptions that would have been filled in your state to the states that are a little farther ahead of the curve. So, again, we really believe that all states should adopt some of these new technologies, especially when we can have, you know, demonstrated evidence that by using a central processing technology where you're taking the work and giving it to the person who's least busy at the moment and you're allowing the pharmacist who's really interacting with that patient to get some help, that you really increase that patient's understanding of the prescription you increase patient you know, compliance with the medication and adherence to that therapy. And really, that's the goal. And patients have told us over and over again through a series of focus groups and consumer outreaches we've done that they want to talk to a pharmacist. They want to talk to that pharmacist face-to-face because that's the person that's going to help change their behavior. So you make the argument, both from the perspective of the pharmacist and the patient, in trying to sell some of the boards of pharmacy to allow for the adoption of central processing technology, Where do you speculate some of the resistance comes from? I mean, is it just the fear of change? I think it's got to do with change. And you have to remember that if I'm sitting at that board, I have two hats on, potentially. I have doing the right thing and making sure that I protect the consumers, but I also have my own business. So I think sometimes that can cause a little bit of conflict so people sort of, you know, work through that and decide that, hey, look, I'm here for patient protection. If this model really does that, then by all means, I should start to vote yes. And again, you know, it's the whole concept of, it sounds on first blush a little Star Wars. You're putting these prescriptions and cues all over the place. Well, then it's our role to get up there and really make sure that we've demonstrated it clearly, we've shown the benefits, and we bring our pharmacists in to talk about the help they've gotten at those crunch times they wouldn't have gotten without that kind of technology. So on the flip side of the resistance question, when it comes to working with state boards of pharmacy, what are some of the success stories you could share with us? Well, I think that uh, I was just recently with the Idaho Board of Pharmacy. They're taking a new look at everything. They wanted to know. I went out and made a presentation that just talked about, I wasn't trying to you know, sell them any new technology, but rather just say, they wanted to know, hey, Dan, you travel the country. You go from board to board to board. Tell us what's going on out there. Tell us what is happening. So they want to take a hard look at all their rules and start to really move themselves forward. And I thought that was very refreshing. It was very enlightened to sort of say, hey, look, we may not know everything here, but if we've got someone that can help us, you know, with the rules, with looking at the different hot topics out there, if you will, and then provide some language, we could probably move our profession in Idaho forward very quickly. And I think that was very refreshing and very positive. And I think that's 
a very insightful board to be able to do that. Do you feel like in the years that you've been in this position that you've made an impact? Well, I'd like to think so. In the world where you're out talking to regulators, it's all about credibility. And to be able to go to them and say, this is good for patients and pharmacists, and then be able to you know, consistently over the years demonstrate that what you've told them when you come back the next time really came to fruition, I think that's really the mark of anyone who deals in this sort of arena to move the profession forward is you have to have credibility and you also have to deliver what you say you're going to do because when you come back two years now with the next technology, they will remember. We've been talking with Dan Luce about central processing and pharmacy practice. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and you've been listening to Focus on Pharmacy on ReachMD, channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. And thanks for listening.